Thank you, Pastor Bob, and thank you, praise team. Do also want to remember Juanita Smitley, and most of you, if you were here for revival, uh, were aware that she had been in the hospital, and she's home now, and we're, we're glad for that. And also, we have, um, is there an echo up here? Somebody hear an echo? So, huh? Doesn't sound right. It may just be me. Uh, I'll do my best. Maybe, maybe it's rec- echoing from in within me. But remember, Wednesday night we have Gideons here as well, and so you'll want to come out and hear them as they share and have an opportunity to support these, support this good work. John sixteen thirty three says this: I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, and everybody said, "Amen." In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You ever been stressed out? (laughs) Have you been stressed out today? Have you been stressed out this way? Getting kids to church can be stressful, right? Getting yourself to church can be stressful. I I can think of stressful circumstances in my life, in my past. When uh, I was a senior in college, it was time to um, begin preparing for law school, and so I had to take what they call the LSAT, not last, LSAT, L-S-A-T, law school admissions test, and I woke up 30 minutes before the test, 45 minutes from where the test was going to be held, okay? So you can imagine the stress as I had to go take that test and, and get there rather quickly, prepare myself rather quickly, and end up in Lawrence, Kansas to take my law school admissions test. Uh, stress, it happens to us all, and I didn't have to think back 20 years to think about a stressful circumstance, I could think about last week and think about stress in my life. What about you? If you faced stress last week, raise your hand, right? A few of you and a few of you are lying about it, okay? All of us have stress. Stress is a natural part of life. And all of us have faced stress this week, probably today, and probably next week. Stress is part of life. Now, now stress, stress can be defined as, as the brain's response to any demand. And so and it's change, it's, it's events, it can, be, it can be positive or negative. So, so you, you could win a race, you could win a prize. You, you could win, anybody win anything in the McDonald's Monopoly? Who goes to McDonald's more because of the Monopoly? Let's, let's be honest and raise your hand. We do. No, just me. Okay. So stress can be caused by a change that's good or negative. It can be caused by something that's reoccurring or short-term. So, for instance, you could be stressed every day because of your drive into work or to school. Or you could be stressed about a long vacation, a a trip across the country, or going to the airport. So it could be something that's common every day or something that's unusual. It it could be something uh, mild. It could be something major. It it could be a marriage or divorce. It it could be a serious illness. It, It could be an accident. So there's all sources all sorts of sources for stress in our life. And we all handle stress and the circumstances of life differently. Um, Terry, uh, yeah, wake up. See the stress level go up? 
if we're watching a TV show or listening on the radio and, and they're, they're debating something or they're arguing about something, <laughs> that raises Terry's stress level. Anybody else like that? They, they just can't stand. She can't stand to listen to, to people arguing or, or having strong conversations. My background is like music to my ears. You know, it, it, ah, somebody else has problems too. Great. Uh, so that gives me no stress to hear that kind of stuff. Waiting, patience, that doesn't stress her at all, but it stresses me through the ceiling, right? <laughs> um, McDonald's, this is McDonald's down the street. They need to change that sign. You know, they have in the, in the uh, drive-through. I must do a lot of, you know, all my illustrations are McDonald's today. But, you know, they have that, the stations where they send you in the drive-through, you know, and they just should put my name on it because they make me go to it every time, no matter what I've ordered. You know, so I, I pull up, you know, I'll wait for 10 minutes for the guy in front of me or the gal in front of me. And then I'll pull to the window and say, can you just go up to, uh, to, to, to parking lot one and wait for a little bit? And it stresses me out. You know, why, why am I going? Why can't you just give me my food? I want my food. And, and, and so last week I, I waited and waited and they made me then go to the, the station. So I thought, well, I'll do it differently. I'll go inside. And so I ordered my food inside. And, you know, they made me go outside and wait for my food. I think it just must be me. So waiting stresses me out. I think it's part of my competitive nature. Does anybody in here other than me race your Garmin? You know what I mean? When the Garmin says you're going to arrive at 1.30, the the goal of it then is to get there at 1.28. There's all sorts of stresses. And we're all subjective in how we handle stress and, and, and how much it affects us. You know, what may be real stressful to one person might not be stressful at all to another person. What, what, what might be something that drives you crazy may, may be something that brings enjoyment to your spouse. Maybe the part that is driving you crazy. I don't know. So we all handle stress differently, but, but I've got good news for you this morning. We are meant to overcome, not be overwhelmed. When we read the words of Jesus, the, the, the whole point of this is, is not that we become, not, not that we will be eliminated, taken out of, that, that there will not be any issues or stress or trouble in our life, but that somehow we'll be people who overcome and are not overwhelmed. And, and I think it's important that we make this personal this morning. And so, can, can we say this together? Go ahead and put that out. I will overcome, not be overwhelmed. Let's do that again, okay? I will overcome not be overwhelmed. Over the next seven weeks, we're going to talk about stress. And um, I think this is an important topic. Uh, I, I think this is something that we all face. And, and, and I believe that we'll touch on some very practical um, helps for us as we talk about stress. And as, as we begin to prepare for this, this series, we sent out a survey. And, and many of you participated in the survey. I think we had close to is Josh in here somewhere? Or is he, he is about 80 people, 100 people participated uh, of giving the top stressors in their life. And, and in this order, it was finances. <laughs> money stresses us out. Amen. Money stresses us out. Parenting, uh, busyness, caring for loved ones slash parents. I know many of you are facing where you're caring for your parents and your caregivers. Jobs. Life would be so much easier if we didn't have jobs. Amen? 
health problems, life transitions, decisions, relationships, expectations, and fear. All these things made the, the top list of, of stressors in, in your life. And, and as we began this series or preparing for this series, we thought, well, maybe what we'll do is, is we'll cover each of these topics. But as I begin to look at each of these topics, what I discovered is that the source of stress in these topics, that the source of the stress is shared. So, for instance, parenting gives us stress. And, and, and parenting is stressful. Why? Because there's unexpected circumstances that occur. There, there's the natural busyness that, that occurs when you have kids. Fi finances gives us stress because there's unexpected expenses that we have to deal with. That there's all, all these things share the same sources. There, there's conflict in relationship. There's conflict in parenting. There's conflict in our jobs at times. And this gives us stress. That, that all of these things share common characteristics. And so if we began to try to divide this up and look at each individual source or category that gives us stress, we would be talking about very similar things each week. And so what I thought about was, what if we talked about principles instead of just talking about these individual things? Um, See, I think it's possible that as a preacher to, that I can stand up here and I can say, okay, we are meant to overcome, not be overwhelmed. And, and, and I can give you this false sense that God just wants us to will it. You know? I will not be stressed. Anybody ever tell your kids when they were crying, I'll give you something to cry about, Right? I will confess that I've said that, and if you start messing with me, I'll say it again, okay? You know, it's like whipping a crying child to get them to stop crying, that, that, that I can lay some guilt trip on you, and you can become more stressed about your stress. Can you imagine that? Stressed by stress. Uh, so, so I think it's important that when we look at this, that we look at some practical principles. And I think these are principles that aren't just guided by, oh, these are the way things should be. But they're principles that incorporate habits, routines, that allow us to maybe be overcomers, not overwhelmed by stress. And so this week we're going to talk about the first one. It's called the temple principle. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Our physical bodies matter. I love last week, uh, Dr. Purdue talked about how our physical bodies Bodies matter. How we live physically matters to, to our spiritual state, to our mental state. We are not disembodied spirits. And, and when you read the gospel accounts, Jesus never 
ministers to people as if they're disembodied spirits and the only thing that matters is where their spirit ends up. But he feeds and he heals and he touches and, and he, you know, he makes blind people see and deaf people hear and he feeds the hungry and he heals where they're sick and their diseases. Jesus understood that we are not disembodied spirits. And as you sit here today, you cannot separate soul and spirit from body. It's all connected. And God honors and expects us to honor our physical body. There, there's a wonder to this physical body. As you sit here, we, the, the, the psalmist says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has designed you. God understands your physical body. Your physical body is not a mistake. But, but you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Look at your neighbor and tell them they're fearfully and wonderfully made. Go ahead and tell them right now. They need to hear that. Yeah? Eric, nobody was sitting by you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. I expected Craig to do it, but he's so busy talking to his wife. You were created to respond to danger. God placed within your being, within your physical body, a process so that when you were in danger, you would respond to that dangerous circumstance, that that adrenaline and other chemicals would flow to your brain and you would respond to the risk that you were facing. This wasn't an accident. This isn't just science. This isn't just what happened. God placed that within you so that when a car... (laughs) Or, did anybody see the, the, the video of the snowboarder going down the mountain with the bear chasing him? Most of you who have the internet will do it later today. Google it. This girl's snowboarding down the mountain, and there's a bear chasing her, and she doesn't even know it. Okay? So when a bear's chasing you, that's how the bear was running. Don't make fun of me, Spencer. When the bear's chasing you or the car's barreling down on you, chemicals rush to your brain to make you focus and respond to the danger that you're facing. As a matter of fact, oftentimes, it shuts down other processes so that you can take care of what's most important. It's a survival mechanism that God has placed within each one of us. The the problem is, oftentimes, that survival mechanism has taken control of us. So instead of controlling this survival mechanism, it drives and controls us. We are driven by adrenaline. (laughs) See, we're called to control our body, not have our body control us. Paul writes, each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. In other words, God recognizes that we are fearfully, wonderfully made, and yet our body doesn't control us We control our body. Amen? (laughs) This isn't the amen crap. The the first service says amen every once in a while. You guys just look at me funny, okay? Uh, Dan Walters, remember Dan used to say that when they were looking at him, you're looking at me like a cat that's looking at its mom for its first time. You know, give me the strange look. So give me a smile. At least give me a smile this morning. Oh, there you go. You guys are happy. Got me all stressed out up here. Stress management is a spiritual discipline. 
When we think about, you know, we think spiritual disciplines. Well, praying is a spiritual discipline. Reading the Bible is a spiritual discipline. You know, serving, worshiping. All these are spiritual disciplines. But, but for us, particularly in this age, I want you to understand that stress management, handling how you're dealing with stress and how much stress you're under and how you're responding is a spiritual discipline. And, and as I, I think about it, how, how do we manage stress? And and I, I thought there, there's, there's two things to talk about. There's, there's road debris and there's maintenance and upkeep on a vehicle. Um, one of our boys, and it wasn't Spencer since he's not driving, you're out of the, one of our boys hit a block in the road one time and caused some damage. And, and, and I can remember talking to him as like, well, why didn't you avoid it? And it was like, well, you know, it was there, and, you know, I was kind of afraid. So they just hit it <laughs> and created problems for the vehicle. Um, God bless us who have teenage boys who drive, right? Uh, the, the, the greatest source of stress in the world. Uh, <laughs> and Spencer is less than two, out, two years from driving. God help us all. So there's, ro there's, there's road debris. That if you want a car that functions, you avoid road debris and you avoid circumstances that, that are emergency circumstances. And then there's road maintenance. Now, I've never experienced this, but I'm sure there's somebody in this room. If I had you raise your hand, uh, or if you would raise your hand, uh, there's probably been somebody in this room that forgot the principle that a car needs oil in the engine to keep functioning, right? We all know somebody, it may be you, I don't know, that they don't replace, they don't change, they don't add oil, and all of a sudden that car becomes just a yard ornament, right? It no longer moves. So there's road debris and there's upkeep. There is the acute circumstance, the, the thing that just occurs, and then there is the chronic circumstance. And when I'm talking about stress management, I'm talking about both of these circumstances. And so let's, let's talk about the acute, the road debris, the, the, the flashpoint, the thing that happens. I have some questions. Number one, when, when you're facing stress, when you're having something going on, ask this question, what is triggering my stress? That's the first question. Is, is this real or imagined? Is this major or minor? Um, if your adrenaline's really flowing, one question you might ask yourself is, is this life or death? See, see when we're facing circumstances and the adrenaline is flowing and, and we're in our mind, it's life or death, it doesn't allow us to function in a way that is healthy and helpful. Um, adrenaline is not helpful in relationship issues. It's not. And, and I think we need to recognize that in the midst of the relationship conflict, oftentimes we begin to be driven by adrenaline, and it is not, adrenaline is not the source of help in the midst of conflict. It takes us outside ourselves. So, what is triggering my, my stress? Is it real? Is it imagined? Is it really serious? Is it not really serious? Um, 
I, I've kind of got a trigger. So, so, see, we have triggers in our life that trigger stress that um, really, it's, it's not that there's stress there, but it's a trigger. For instance, mine is my phone ringing. Whenever my phone rings anymore, that the first, the initial thing is there is a stress reaction within me because most, my family, we text. You know, we don't, we don't call because I don't like to talk to people, okay? No, that's not, that's, but we text. It's just easier to text. And, and so when I get a call, the, the first reaction I have is, uh-oh. Anybody else like that? <laughs> um, and, and this is not stop calling pastor because you're stressing him out. Call me, it's okay. But I, I'm just being transparent and letting you know that there's triggers in my life that sometimes create stress that really there's not stress there yet because most calls don't mean stress, but it's a trigger that sometimes gets my heart racing. And, and I may be 10 minutes down the road before I realize, wait a minute, I'm stressed over nothing. Anybody ever do that? Here's the open confession. You ever find yourself in the midst of worry or stress, and then you say, okay, wait a minute. Why am I stressed and why am I worrying? And you begin to trace back, and it's an imagined thing that hasn't even happened, but you're afraid it's going to happen, right? What is triggering my stress? How serious is this situation? Most of us will not face life and death circumstances every day. I mean, you're going to face stress this week. You're going to face stress today. And, and, and how serious is the circumstance? You know, and we saw that any change creates some sort of, some level of stress, right? So this afternoon, now we, we don't have a, a cracker barrel around, all right? But there is a difference between chicken fried chicken and chicken fried steak, right? There is a big difference, and chicken fried chicken is better, okay? When the waitress brings chicken fried steak instead of chicken fried chicken, it may create stress, but it's not life and death. How serious is this circumstance? You may get laid off at work this week, but you are still alive and you are still breathing, and you still have a place to go, and you still have people that love you. You may get a bad health diagnosis this week, but you still have people that love you. You still have a church to go to. You still have a God who has saved you. And so in all these circumstances, the level of seriousness, they, 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 it may graduate to more serious, but, but there's always things that we can do to respond. And oftentimes, we get caught up in that circumstance, so, so deep into that circumstance that our brain just takes us places we don't need to go. Then how quickly do I need to respond? I'm going to say that again. How quickly do I need to respond? This is an important one. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. <laughs> That's just good homespun advice from the good Apostle James. Be slow to speak, be slow to angry, to anger, be quick to listen. Um, most of the circumstances that you'll face this week, you know, the bear's chasing you on the snowboard, you've got to respond to, right? 
Uh, the car barreling down to you, you have to respond to. I, I would venture to guess that stress related to, a, to relationship issues this week that you'll face, most of, these most of the time, almost all of the time, you have time to practice what Brother James is preaching. Time to pray. Time to seek input from others. Um, maybe even time to sleep. You know, sleep's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Anybody ever have an issue where, where, where it seems like it's a mountain and you go to sleep and you wake up the next day and all of a sudden you realize it's a molehill, right? Time to, to, to respond. I take time. Now I want to talk about chronic things. Um, Dr. Archibald Hart, who's a Christian psychologist, says this, we are designed for camel travel but continue to behave like supersonic jets. I like that quote. We live in this age where, you know, I'm not sure if our body is adequately equipped to live in this age. Uh, you know, the, the, the age of information where it's just, you know, information just being poured on us like it's a fire hose. And, you know, it's, it's just overwhelming how much information that we get. And, 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 and we respond to this information. We respond to this change and this life change. And, Every, every stressful circumstance, there's, our, our body naturally responds to stress. So, so when you go through the stress, you know, there's, there's this, these chemicals that every time they're, they're flooding our brains, and, and there's this chronic stress that we're under. And, and when we live like this, these, these natural responses affect us negatively. So, so if you're continually feeling like you're under stress, it pays a toll, or your body and your mind and your spirit pays toll. At risk for a bad answer, I'll put it out there. Patty, how many, how many people do you treat in your practice that they're just overwhelmed by stress constantly? Medical doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, their offices are full because of the stress that people put themselves and feel in their day-to-day -day life. And that's not just a problem outside the church building. That's a problem in the church as well. And, and as I begin this topic, as we begin talking on stress, there's some of you who are sitting out in, in this audience this morning that you are completely stressed out in a chronic manner. In other words, you go to bed stressed and you wake up stressed and you spend your whole day stressed out. Stress management is a spiritual discipline. And it's an important spiritual discipline for the church, for us as God's people who are trying to live lives that bring glory to him, that we overwhelm, that we have peace, regardless of what is going on around us. So what are the spiritual disciplines? What are the disciplines of, of stress management? Nutrition. And, and you look at me and say, well, pastor, you're, you're, you're not like in the greatest shape. Amen, I know, right? I'm with you. 
you know, these things, as we talk about stress and sleep and all the things I'm going to talk about, I'm right with you. It's not that I have it all together. I'm learning these things too, and I'm, you know, I need to do better. Nutrition, exercise, eating the right things, and doing even minimal exercise will help you in the midst of stress. It will help your body. I have a video. Go ahead and play those. Marilyn will sit down and we'll play these. And we purposefully included people on two sides of the spectrum there. Mary's just starting exercising. Becky's been exercising for many years because this, this physical fitness is not a static state of being. It's a process. In other words, wherever you find yourself, there, there's something that you can do. I, my mom is nearly 85 years old, and she wears one of those steppers that uh, she tracks her steps. And, and she gets more than 10,000 steps a day. And she shows you. Every time you see her, she'll show you. I got 12,000 steps in, or I got 11,000 steps in. And the funny thing is they live in the country, so there's not a lot of places to walk except in the house. And so she walks around the house. And Dad complains because he says she's making a draft, okay? Um, so, so there's things that we can do. We can all become a little bit more active and physical. And so what, what I'm suggesting today is, is not that you begin running marathons, but you start somewhere. Uh, maybe a 30-minute walk or 15-minute walk, as Mary said, just to begin. Sleep. And the spiritual discipline of sleep. And some of you have been doing that this morning during the sermon. Thank you very much. I'm glad you're taking my words to heart. Um, sleeping is so important. And, and, and I'll be honest, this is a, an area that I struggle in. Uh, I, I routinely get, you know, five, five and a half hours sleep. And that's not enough. We, we need at least, our physical body needs at least six hours, if not eight hours of sleep. I've heard people say as much as nine hours of sleep. Nine hours would be awesome, wouldn't it, right? And so sleep is essential, and, and so we need to do things that create an environment that allow us to sleep. Um, you think, Pastor, this isn't all that spiritual. No, it may, maybe, maybe this isn't the deepest spiritual conversation we've ever had, but can I tell you, your physical body affects your ability to receive spiritual things. And when we abuse our body, when we don't get adequate nutrition, when we don't exercise, when we don't sleep, it prevents us oftentimes from, from hearing clearly from God. And so I think about myself, I, you know, the, the things that I do to, to allow myself to go to sleep. Maybe, maybe you're watching Fox News or CNN News before you, before you go to sleep. And when you're going to sleep, you're so stressed that you're through the roof. Um, I've said this before, folks. All night news channels are not spiritual disciplines, okay? We may like them and we may enjoy them, but, but, but that may be something that you need to eliminate right before you go to bed. But maybe we could replace it with the Word of God. Maybe we could replace it with hugging our kids. Maybe we could spend some time listening to, to worship music before we go to sleep. Uh, you know, one thing I do that, that God's kind of challenged me on, I don't have an alarm clock by my bed. I use my phone. Who uses their phone as their alarm clock? And you wake up at night, and what do you do? You check the time, then what do you do? <laughs> Most of us, or a lot of us, are, are surfing Facebook, or you're looking at your emails. And so in the middle of the night, this, this two-minute thing to check what time it is to see if you have more time to sleep becomes this time where you check all your emails, your Facebook. And I know all, some of you are doing it because I see your post and your likes at 3 a.m., okay? Don't pretend, oh, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. And so we wake ourselves up in the middle of the night. Breathe. <laughs> Breathing 
is, is essential if we want to manage stress. I, I want you to, to do an exercise. Put your hand on your stomach and just breathe. How many of you have, is your hand moving? None of you, are they? Oh, bad. We have a few. Um, we've become culturally, physically, scientifically, studies show that we've become chest breathers which is not deep breathing. It's not diaphragm breathing. And, and this affects how your physical body responds to, to, to the physical activities of life, responds to the stress around you. I got some of you breathing. Heather's yawning. She took a deep breath right there. Sorry. And so there's exercise, and you can look these up on the internet, exercises that you can do that can help you to begin to learn to breathe how you were intended to breathe. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Do not let our culture dictate how God has created us to exist. And then prayer. Now, secular sources will say meditation. <laughs> and, and, and I love, all, I, I did these reading of the meditation. It says things like this. Meditate on things that are bigger than you. <laughs> oh, well, that sounds a lot like prayer to me, okay? Focus on God. And, you know, this is this great ability to, to see that God may have our, God does have our life in his hands. And then the last one is this, self-talk. And we use the phrase self-talk because it sounds better than saying talking to yourself, right? Uh, but self-talk is really affirming positive promises that you have in your life. And, you know, what we did earlier, I am meant to overcome, not be overwhelmed. And I gave that to you this week as you're facing stressful circumstances. Maybe that's something that you repeat. I am meant to overcome, not be overwhelmed. But besides that, Scripture. This is, this is one of the benefits of, of, of memorizing Scripture, this ability that in the midst of stressful circumstances, you can remember the promises of God in relation to your life. I loved last week, Dr. Purdue shared, and on Wednesday night he shared about uh, Barbara when he was traveling uh, around, that she said that she would lay in bed at night and repeat Scripture when she felt afraid until she felt, felt would fall asleep. And for some of you, you, you need to dive into God's word and allow his word begin to shape your perspective of your circumstances. Now, in a lot of ways, this may seem backwards, that, that we've started this whole process. Next week, we're going to talk about the wisdom principle, and we're going to talk about God. And it may seem almost backwards that we're, we're talking about our physical body, we're talking about our physical state before we talk about God. But, but the problem is that that some of us are so stressed that we're so busy that it's very difficult for us to hear from God. Um, so the, the question I have for you this morning is this. Is your temple ready to hear from God? Is your temple ready for God to move? Um, there's this great story in 1 Kings in chapter 18 and 19. In 1 Kings, Elijah is the prophet, and Elijah has this great battle with the prophets of Baal. And, you know, they, they build two altars, and, and Elijah puts his sacrifice on his altar, and the prophets of Baal put their sacrifice on their altar, and, and then they all dance around. They put oil on it and dance around and call to their God to, to consume their sacrifice, and nothing happens, and Elijah's making fun of them, all sorts of stuff. And then Elijah has them pour water on his sacrifice and then puts water around it, and he says, God... Show them who's God. <laughs> and God consumes this, this sacrifice. And it's this great victory for God and for Elijah. But Jezebel, who's the evil king's wife, hears about what Elijah has done and basically says, I'm going to kill this scoundrel. 
And Elijah begins to run from Jezebel. And, and that's another dynamic. How often do we have these great spiritual highs that are followed by these great spiritual lows? And you see this in the life of Elijah. He's stressed out and he's running, running, running from this queen. And, and the scripture says that he, that he goes to the Mount of God and 1 Kings 19.9 says, Then he came there to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of God came to him and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? I think it's significant, the progression of this scripture. Elijah lodged there, which means rested, which I believe you can imply as he slept and he ate. And before God spoke to the prophet, God gave him space to rest and eat. Some of you, God is wanting to speak, but you've got to slow down enough You've got to rest enough. You've got to get yourself in a physical state that God can speak to you in the midst of your life. Now, we're going to close with communion this morning. I'm going to ask Amy to come, and, and they're going to sing a song for us. And, and as I prepared this sermon, this, this quote came to me. It said that you know, God's provision allows us to experience God's presence. In other words, as I thought about communion, I, 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 you know, this implies, this is, this is reflective of God's presence in our life. And it's God's provision that in, in the midst of our worship service, God has designed this meal. That, that God's saying, I want, I want to feed you and care for you. And in my care for you, We'll ex- you'll experience my presence. And, and, and so, you know, all week that phrase has just been going through my mind. And then I'm kind of weird this morning. I got up and as I was shaving the better looking parts of my face, this other phrase came to me. God's presence is the source of God's provisions. In other words, it's, it, God, God provides for us so that we can experience him. And when we experience him, God provides for us. Both these things are going on in this feast. And so we're going to close with with communion this morning. We're going to receive it from the back of the sanctuary, and Josh is going to dismiss you from the back. I'm going to pray with us, and uh, I'm going to ask you just to to ask God to reveal to you, is is, is there areas that maybe you're running and it's just time to stop and allow him to to sustain you? Uh, Amy's going to sing one of those awesome songs, uh, It Is Well. And I hope you listen to the words of this song as, as, we, um, as we move through this. Lord, bless us. Help us, Lord, to see you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, I love receiving communion like this because I get to stand here and watch. And uh, sometimes you see some interesting things. In the first service, I saw a shirt that said, if you don't like bacon, you're just wrong. And I'm going to have to get one of those shirts. But not only that, I see that they're, you're people just like me. <laughs> you know, you run through ups and downs. Sometimes things are easy. Sometimes things aren't so easy. You know, I think of our journey over the last two years. As we've moved and changed and kids have went to school and Terry's interviewing for jobs and doing different things. And, you know, it's, it can be stressful. But then I'm reminded the uh, song we sang. I, anybody remember this, the show Name That Tune? You guys remember the show Name That Tune? 
you know, three notes, you name that tune. And there's songs that we sing, Good, Good Father's one of those. I can hear that melody. Oh. And it just starts overwhelming me without even singing. And this one's one as well. Because it's got that phrase, the waves and the wind still know his name. I want you to know this morning that whatever you face this week, the waves and the wind still know his name. Lord, bless us, keep us. May we find our rest in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless.